When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Chad. Oh, how are you doing tonight? Sometimes the biggest laughs are off air. The Canadians have beaten the Blue Jackets 4-2 early in the third. Red Wings lead the Rangers 2-1. Still to come tonight, it is the Capitals taking on the Los Angeles Kings in the National Basketball Association. Raptors lead the Suns 99-93 with about seven and a half minutes left in the fourth quarter. Oilers at Jets tomorrow. They played earlier this season, and the Jets won that game in overtime. So tomorrow, 3 o'clock for Oilers now with Bob Stoffer. Face-off show will be at 4.30, and the game will be at 6. We will have Luke Gazdick coming up in about eight or nine minutes, presented by Avalon Foundation Repair, Western Canada's leading basement waterproofing company for over 50 years, home of the lifetime warranty. Uh, but I want to try to get to as many of your messages as we can tonight. 780-496-0063. Kellen, you go now. Mm-hmm. Allspice. It that's, is Allspice it we is were looking all, for. Allspice. That's from Daryl out in Nova Scotia. Was that a, not a, a, a band? Was there... Uh, I know there was the Spice Girls. No, it was the All, all Saints. All Saints. It was the was All the Saints. Yes. So Allspice... Is a is a bunch of spices. Yes. All Saints is a, an all female gr- group, mm-hmm. and the Spice Girls is an all female group. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We've, and, we we and, well, and I don't know what else we could educate people with tonight. What a thorough performance. Yes, exactly. Uh, we got uh, one more from Richard here who says, to the last text, uh, texter who uh, texted us before the uh, news break there, it's hard to say what workload Stuart Skinner can handle. He's only in his second year. His capacity for workload will increase as he becomes more experienced in the league. I like that. It's a good attitude. Hey, let's see what these guys can become. Don't write them off too early. Mm. Dean has a grievance with OT. Says it was a pretty boring OT last night. How about eliminating red lines and blue lines? No offsides, no icings, free-for-all. That's from Dean. Uh, there's more talk about... I, I saw Elliot Friedman. It wasn't on Bob's show. He was... And well, maybe he said it on Bob's show and I missed it, but he was doing a hit on Sportsnet. Um, the the timeline is sort of a blur here, everybody, so I'm sorry. But he was talking about that... There is some concern that the overtimes aren't as action-packed as they used to be, that teams are hanging on to the puck. So do you put in a shot clock? Could you have some sort of over-and-back rule where once you enter the offensive zone, you can't bring it out? That might be hard to enforce because teams could accidentally on purpose miss a pass so they could regroup in the neutral zone. Um, Shot clock is an interesting idea. Uh, I, I I think overtimes are a little less action-packed than they used to be. I still like three-on-three. There's still always the potential for something exciting to happen, um, but it doesn't always... I, I feel like it's not happening as much as it used to be. Now, having said that, the Oilers had a two-on-one to win it with three seconds left, and Bouchard couldn't quite, couldn't quite tap it in. But 
I think that 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 is something that's being talked about. Do they need to tweak three on three so a little bit more of the action and the odd man rush opportunities come back. I, I think that's a fair observation for sure. Give me one more quickly, Kellen. Mm, Darcy texts in and says, the Campbell experience is over, in my opinion. If he was the number one, Toronto wouldn't have let him go for five mil. Well, maybe. I, I, I just think from the point of him being an Oilers employee, <laughs> I mean, that's what the players are, they still need him to be someone who can do the work. It's uh, obviously Darcy. I get it. If it's it's pretty easy to say at this point he can't do the work, but I, I, I again I don't think they sent them down to the minors to write them off. I, I think that they they want them to be able to play to some extent, and I I, I don't think that they're a huge fan of Pickard at the NHL level because he's come up and he's only played one game. But I, I get what you're saying. And, you know, I, I said it around this time last year. I said, if we're into November of 2023 and Campbell's still playing this poorly, it's going to look pretty bad. Well, right now the contract looks pretty bad for sure. All right. We will uh, welcome Luke Gazdick back to the show. He'll talk about the impact of Chris Knobloch, about McDavid's heater, and more. Inside Sports on Chet. <laughs> Subscribe to the Inside Sports Podcast. Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you find your podcasts. This is 630 Chad Inside Sports. Oh, you just might get a canned ham if you sign up for that podcast. Okay. He joins us. Every couple of weeks here on Inside Sports, presented by Avalon Foundation Repair, Western Canada's leading basement waterproofing company for over 50 years, home of the lifetime warranty, former Edmonton Oiler, now with the NHL on Rogers, Luke Gazdick. Luke, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? Good, buddy. Always a pleasure. Yeah, thanks for checking in. Three wins in a row for the Oilers, six of the last nine, eh? Things hopefully heading in the right direction now? Yeah, things are starting to turn here. They're looking better and better every game. I... Uh... You know, was talking to you a bit uh, off air before and haven't been on here in a couple of weeks, thankfully. Yeah, went through a little bit of a dark time there, but um, they're really starting to turn the corner and, and looking uh, better and better as we go on. Connor McDavid on a tear, which we thought was going to happen eventually, but 12 points in his last three games, uh, absolutely on fire and looking like uh, the McDavid that we, we have all those great expectations for. Yeah, Connor's really starting to look like Connor again, Reed. Um, I, I think it's pretty clear now that he was possibly slash probably is still dealing with something. You could just sense it in the way he played and the way he looked, you know, whether he rushed himself back for the heritage or whatever it was, you could clearly tell something was off, but the confidence is back. Now you can see he gets the puck. He's starting to do his, um, his typical end to end rushes again and really feeling confident with it, trying to beat guys one-on-one. Um, and it just seems like every time he gets out there, he's creating, creating creating offense in some way and the points are just starting to pour in and not only that um you know along with his individual play it seems like everyone's kind of jumped on board as well and i think that's what makes him such a great leader is that um when he leads by example you can just tell it's picking up everybody around him and everyone's kind of jumping on on his back on on his breakaway goal can you give some context for how difficult that is to hold the puck 
all the way across the top of the crease and then still tuck it in. I mean, to me, it seems I, I know players score on breakaways, but it seems to me that that was probably a relatively difficult play that he made look fairly straightforward or, or, or how did you see it? No, you're right. Uh, not only is it difficult to maneuver, um, but at that speed, to have the control and the edge work that he does is what makes him so good at the game. And for me, when I was, you know, in a breakaway situation or even doing shootouts in practice, whatever it was, I have such a long reach or had such a long reach where I was able to do that. But it's just not as easy as it looks to be able to get outside your comfort zone with your hands and really outstretch and sell that fake. Cause I think you've seen it a lot before where he'll do that and he'll go all the way to his backhand and he does that cut back to the forehand. It's that little patented triple deke. So now you can tell he has goalies guessing too. So now, you know, maybe Logan Thompson thinks I'm going to stretch out here, good, but, but I have to be able to go back to the other post if he comes across. So for him to be able to go to that side and slide, Slide it under at full tilt is, you know, why he's a superstar. Yeah. Uh, 12 points in his last three games. So uh, he is flying for sure. So Chris Knobloch's taken over. He's five and three as the head coach. Do you see any obvious changes? Anything obviously that they're doing different or he's trying to implement? Do you see any of that yet? Well, I think a lot of people look to the system stuff. Um one thing I talked about specifically was him having a quote uh, Sunday about not wanting to use um, the boards as much. He wants to use the middle of the ice a little more. And listen, that could be a scary thing. That's where a lot of pucks get turned over, middle ice. But that's what I've been harping on them for for weeks now is they always want to do these rims up the wall. And they're, you see teams more and more, wingers taking away the walls. And that was a perfect example on, on Ryan Nugent Hopkins game ended up being the game winning goal versus Anaheim. It's a combination of two things that I loved. A, they had a set plan off the draw and it was driving me nuts. I talked about it on TV in between periods where they would snap back a D zone draw. And, you know, as a former player, I know that you always have a plan. Your center always waits till everybody's set up all your other four and he makes sure everyone know, knows what's going on, whether it's a reverse, whether it's quick up the wall. That one in particular with Nursey is called the D reverse wheel. And it's with him on his offside and he's going to the opposite side. So he's drawing everybody over to the other side, but the wheel means that you're the one skating it, the D skating. Um, but then he uses the middle of the ice. He has Hyman and McDavid as options, but he sends it a, an absolute dart. One of the best passes I've ever seen Nursey make um, straight down the middle of the ice, which like I said, can be terrifying because that's where pucks get turned over, but they're starting to get out of their zone a little easier using that middle and having a plan. Even the Gagne goal last night, that faceoff right there, if you think that looks familiar and you know me, that was how I scored my first NHL goal. It's called <laughs> the right. It's called the Sedine play. So the outs, the top winger where Sam was goes above the circle. The winger, the center wings it wins it right behind his feet and the board side winger goes to the net and all it's supposed to be is a wheel around the circle and a shot on net. That's a set play. So it says to me that either knobs is giving them freedom to kind of create their own plans and plays, or he's putting those in place. Either way, I didn't see a lot of that with Woody, which is so weird because he's so structured and so detailed, but you rarely saw them try things like that 
if, uh, you know, maybe occasionally on the power play, but those are two X's and O's things I see. And then in a more general sense, he's playing four lines and I freaking love that. You know how much I, you know, I'm probably biased towards being a fourth line guy, but even them being on the ice for the third goal last night, as they're on the ice in the third period, seven minutes left to go or whatever it is. That is a coach throwing a line, a bone that has had a great game up till then. You know, I don't, I hate to say that the goal negates their whole game, but up until then they had been having a great game, creating offense, Adam Ernie driving the net. Hamlin's been great. So he's throwing him a bone. He's letting them play fourth period minutes or third period minutes for the fourth line. Um, and I think you can really see that he's starting to roll roll him especially early in games which is something you really rarely saw from Woody and uh, I don't want to give the Winnipeg Jets too much information but the Oilers were working on some face-off stuff today as well so the the set plays are definitely a thing and I think Knobloch is is going to be proven to be a very good technical coach in my opinion he also came in and talked about the team playing free one post game, he said, we're, we're almost so afraid to make a mistake. It's paralyzing us. From, from your coaches that you've had, how much did you want a technical guy and how much did you want a psychologist and or a motivator? You know what I mean? Or are the great coaches both? I would say the great coaches are both, but I wanted more of the psychologist mentor. And I think that is more the job of the head coach. Uh, leave your X's and O's and your scientific, analytical, whatever it may be, breaking down tape to the millisecond of shifts to the assistant coaches. Let your coaching staff take care of the micro details and you can take care of the macro picture. And that's what I really wanted. I wanted a coach. I wanted a teacher. I wanted someone to teach me and, and motivate me and inspire me. And whether he's doing that or the team has just flipped on its head, I I don't know, but you have to think it's, it's had a huge impact on it from him saying them playing free and him talking about wanting his guys to simplify. I mean, that's not a coincidence that it seems like he has, you know, provided this calming influence where he's just allowing guys to do their thing. And it almost seems like they're feeling like there's less pressure and it's, you know, providing us a a, a really good team structured, fun, fun game to watch these days. Luke Gazdick joining us tonight on Inside Sports. So today for the Oilers was the practice and fly, skate and fly, whatever you want to call it. Practice at noon. They were leaving, I believe, at 3 o'clock for Winnipeg. I'll just share this. and I know people don't really care too much about my daily routine, but I often don't like these days because you go into the room. They're really in a hurry to leave. So sometimes you can't get as many questions as you would like. And the, the equipment bags are everywhere and your stuff um though today they had they seem to have a little more time we got extended stuff with nugent hopkins uh and gagne but from a player's perspective what were these like where you'd skate at 11 or noon and then a couple hours later you're like was it rushed for you guys or how did you like them oh the kids don't know the real struggle of driving up to leduc and practicing up there that's we didn't true have yeah. the, we didn't have the two rinks at uh <laughs> at rogers we uh we so the way it worked is yeah we we all drove up to Leduc and I, I won't even lie it wasn't a big issue for us because we had to drive up to the airport anyway so it's just right there but for the trainers that was a nightmare having to pack up 
the entire sets set of gear and equipment and all that stuff sticks, bring it up to Leduc, and then once again bring that to the airport. So it was double stops for them. Uh, and that's where we really felt bad was the trainers were making another stop. And I just remember coaches always for that practice. It was a lot less system stuff. I don't want to say like no systems, but it was really snap, 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 quick. Let's go. Let's get a really good sweat. Let's accomplish something today. Um, and then let's get out of here. Let, let's get going. Let's get to Winnipeg. And that was kind of the, the deal was it was a rush after, you know, there was nobody staying on the ice late. You know, I, you, you were, you saw me for years. I love to stay out after for, it could have been hours some days and work on things like it was everyone's off the ice, get in there. Um, I'm sure they get a meal at the rink or a meal on the plane, whatever it is, but everything is extremely rushed. You really just kind of want to get to the city you're going to as fast as possible and get the guys settled in. Right. Yeah. Okay. I want to ask you about something else here. Interesting moment. A couple of days ago, Ottawa and Florida had that, uh, that brouhaha and Garrett rank the referee just basically said, okay, everybody, everybody you see here gets a 10 bit of his conduct, however he put it. Um, I mean, you, you at times were penalized. You at times uh, had fights and probably had a ref or a linesman upset with you. Is there any memorable interaction or way they told you, okay, Luke, you're in trouble or even ways maybe they tried to lighten the moment and say, okay, we all got to calm down. Like, I'm just wondering anything that wouldn't be on mic like that, that was uh, said uh, around the refs or the penalty boxes. No, all, honestly, all, a lot of the stories I can remember are from the American League, especially early in my career. You just you don't see a lot of it in the NHL anymore, even for the amount that I was fighting in the NHL. Like there were rarely like line, huge line brawls or anything like that. I entered the uh, the the realms of pro hockey in 09, where I remember going to the East Coast League first and being like, well, what is this? Where am I? This is a different planet. Um, and then I went to Texas and played there for four years. And Texas, we had this, you can't make this setup up. The benches were across from where you came out, but the visiting team had to pass the home team to get off the ice. And it was just a nightmare every time. We had a real rivalry with this team, the Peoria Rivermen. And uh, we had a full brouhaha after an overtime win because we skated out to go across and they had to all come through us. And before you know it, guys had just paired off. It's the first time I've ever got bit by another human being. True story. I still have the scar on my knuckle. I got bit by a player on their team um, that was resulting in suspensions. I think I got the first fine ever of my career for... I think they called it instigating a fight after a game, whatever it was. But honestly, a lot of the stories about that just lie in the in the jungle, in, in, right. the, in the American Hockey League back in the day where there was barely any video. You weren't, you weren't watching anything again. And uh, sometimes we only had one ref. It was just it was just three or four tough guys on every team. And if the game started to get out of hand, I was just like, Oh man, here we go. This okay. is gonna be a nightmare. Now who bit you? Are you can you tell me? Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to sixty percent on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin, or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. 
Priceline. I can tell you, he doesn't play hockey anymore. It was um, a, a kid named Stephen Della Rovere. He was uh, he played in the OHL with the Barry Colts. I believe he was a first or first round draft pick. He was a pretty high pick of. Uh, of somebody. Now I don't even know where he got drafted, but he bounced around for years. And yeah, I, I um, pretty much instigated a fight there, but I remember I had my hand over one of their, one of their players and I felt a, a stinging pain and I looked down and I, I saw teeth marks on my pinky finger. So I looked so at he, the ref, I looked at the lineman linesman right as it was happening and he looked and saw it right away. He ended up getting suspended. I think he got five games for it or something. Um, but yeah, first and only time I've been bit in a hockey game. Did he, any interaction ever? Did he ever apologize? Did you ever try to beat him up later? Like, or is that just it? Oh, no, I think that was maybe one of the last times I played hockey against them. Cause I'm okay. sure I would have wanted some retribution knowing me. I mean, this is like 10, 15 years ago, but uh, knowing me, I would have wanted some retribution and I don't know if I ever got that. I don't know if I ever ran into the kid again. Well, he's left a mark on you. That's for sure. Literally and figuratively, literally and figuratively <laughs> stories from the jungle part one. That's amazing. Okay. Luke, thanks for your perspective. I uh, really enjoyed how you uh, put the Oilers game in focus for us. And uh, as always, a uh, couple enjoyable stories along the way as well. We'll do this again soon, my friend. Thank you so much for hopping on. Yeah, sounds good, Reed. Anytime.